You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Good morning, everyone. Great to have you in church with us this morning. As uh, Kristen said, just about all the team is over in lovely New Zealand, which is just as well, given that so much of our church is from New Zealand. So they are picking up some cultural notes there and... Uh, the, the conversation a couple of weeks ago when we were preparing for this morning was with Graham. He said, look, I'm going to be over in New Zealand, so it's your turn to preach in the morning, Sam. And I said, what on? And he said, uh, Jesus' statement, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I'm thinking, which short straw did I pull? Because um, let's be real here. This has got to be one of the most offensive statements in our society today. No one gets to God except through Jesus Christ. And how can you Christians claim that your religion is the only true religion? It's, it's a matter of enormous concern. It's something that Andrew Lloyd Webber picked up so well in that musical Jesus Christ Superstar. When Jesus meets Pontius Pilate and they have an interaction, Pilate says, then you're a king. Jesus says, it's you that say I am. I look for truth and I find that I get damned. And Pilate says, and what is truth? Is truth unchanging law? We both have truths are mine the same as yours. How can Christianity say that they have uh, the exclusive rights on this truth, that Jesus is the only way to God? And that is the issue. People go, well, this uh, exclusivity thing, it's, it's divisive. It, it, it puts people the other way. And so therefore, look, the deal is let's just, let's just make all religions equal and uh, we'll all be happy. We won't kill the peace. It's the pilot approach. I've got my truths, what is truth, unchanging law, I've got mine, you've got yours, I'm mine the same as yours. Now, the thing for me is often when I came to this passage, it was just that one bit of the verse that I would always remember, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. And yet, this week in studying this passage, I saw it in a whole new light, a whole new context, because look at what is happening here. As we saw in the first couple of verses, the disciples, they're fearful, they're anxious, they're sad, and they're heartbroken. Why? Because Jesus is going away. He's going back to the Father. To do what? To, to write the holy book for his new religion? <laughs> to, um, to, 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 to sort of escape this world altogether? No, it's to prepare a place for the world to be with God the Father. And so what it said to me in the perspective that God gave me on this this morning is that we always approach this passage intellectually and start arguing truths when we don't look at it relationally. Jesus was preparing a place for the world to be with the Father. The pilot approach, what is truth, are mine the same as yours? It's it's, it's not going to work if you read it out of context. And here's why, because Christianity is not a religion of rules and regulations, it's a religion of revelation. That is that Christianity at the very heart of it is a person. Why this series is called He, it's about Jesus Christ. And so when we seek to ask, answer this question this morning, and that's what I'm going to do, the question really is on, on many people's minds, on family members, on friends, I know I've got them, why does Christianity seem so exclusive? That's the challenge. And the first point this morning, I believe it's because Christianity is a personal relationship. It's about Jesus Christ. That's something uniquely different about Christianity is that every other religion in the world leaves you with its teaching. Christianity leaves you with the teacher. 
If you keep reading through this passage, Jesus talks about the way that another counsellor is going to come. The uh, Holy Spirit, the uh, Aleron Parakletos, uh, another Jesus of the same kind in the Holy Spirit. We're left with the teacher here. And not only that, it's, it, it's, it's personal, it's interaction. Philip, in the verses after this, uh, here's what Jesus is saying. He's, he's not too sure um, what he means. Jesus is talking about going to the Father and Philip says, Look, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Now, we feel, don't we feel like Philip sometimes? Just let's have a miracle apparition and, and then I'll really, really believe. And, and you see, the funny thing is that Philip, Philip had been there. He'd seen the miracles. He'd seen what Jesus had done with people. He'd eaten with him. He'd seen the incredible way that Jesus had acted. In fact, Jesus in the latter part of the passage says, Philip, look, don't take what I'm saying um, as the basis for your belief. Look at the miracles themselves. That you know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and that I am God. Philip was on the inside and he still didn't get it. How is that? I think what it's saying to us this morning is that it's possible that you can be busy with Christian activity and not really know God. What Jesus is saying is that there is a distinction between knowing about God and knowing God. Now, let me put it this way. Um, I went to a Taylor Swift concert. She's a um, teenage country music singer. And I did that purely because my wife is a huge fan. I've never heard of her before, of course. And, and we were sitting there before the concert and, uh, and, and um, Kristen was on this thing on her iPhone. Just for you older folks, it's called Twitter. And, and, and basically how Twitter works is that these superstars, um, like Taylor Swift, uh, they, they, they sort of tweet, that's what's called tweet, they have 140 characters to tell you what they're up to, and there were phrases like, I'm backstage, and I'm up to this, and, and so the whole time before the concert, Kristen's telling me all about um, what Taylor Swift's been up to. And, and I'm like, oh, well, how do you know all this stuff? Oh, I know, I know Taylor, I know Taylor. And I'm thinking, you don't know Taylor. I, there's a difference between Twitter and there's a difference between being backstage. There's a difference between reading an iPhone screen and there's a difference between being in her, her presence and sensing the nerves before the concert and the anxiety and, 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 and seeing the sweat. And, 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 and there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone, right? And so what, what this is saying to us is that Christianity won't work for you if you treat it the same way. Christianity won't work for you if you succumb to the, this generation and the way they use Twitter and sort of treat God the, somewhat, the same way. If you just sort of, yeah, I know God. And you sort of know him from a distance. It won't work like that because information about God needs to go from the informational to the personal. That's what was happening here with Philip. He was amongst him the whole time. You see, look, if you ask the average person, why did Jesus Christ come to earth in the first place? People will say, oh, look, it was to give us his lovely teachings and, um, and it was to die for our sins. And look, that is true to some extent, right? I'm not denying that. But in some way, it misses the point. You know, people say Christian someone who goes to church and is looking for inspiration and says their prayers all the time and tries to be a good person. And yet Jesus says, you've missed the point, Philip. You've missed it. I came and, and I lived and I died so that you might know the Father. I came so the world might know the Father. You know, he says it, John 17, 3, further on. In the chat that he had with the boys, he said, this is eternal life to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. He says it's not only the purpose of life here, but it's the very definition of life, is to know intimately 
God. So what what I'm saying this morning is that Christianity is a personal relationship. It's not a tweet. Christianity is ultimately a relationship with a person, with he, Jesus Christ. And, And here's the thing. That's actually the thing that makes Christianity exclusive. See, Christianity is exclusive because it's a personal relationship. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And look, here's the point where Christianity gets problematic, right? Because what about all the questions? What about all the questions that arise for us? What, if, what about my doubts? What if I've got doubts? How can I believe in Jesus if I've got doubts? What about, what about all the suffering in the world? If, if God is such a good and a great God, then why is all of this suffering? And what, what about my needs? How, how is Jesus going to break this addiction in my life? Or what is God going to do about that? All these questions arise, and how is his statement going to help me with that? And here's the thing. When we come to this statement purely intellectually, we're treating Christianity like a philosophy. And if Christianity was a philosophy then, okay, we could go to the questions first, but it's not. You know, if, if, if we're treating Christ, if Christianity was a, was a therapy, then we could go first to Christianity with our needs and it would help, but it doesn't seem to help us in that way. And here's why. Because Christianity, look, the New Testament in particular is so narrow-minded all the time. In this way, is it, it's, it's always asking. The question that Jesus asked the boys on top of the hill at Caesarea Philippi, who do you say that I am? not asking intellectual questions. It's asking you this morning to come to grips with who do you say Jesus Christ is? And it's always asking us about the person. And so I put it to people this morning that often the problem with Christianity is not the problem with the questions. The problem is that it's too personal. Christianity is first and foremost about accepting the person Jesus, not his principles, and so, look, you know, you're going, hang on, you're not answering the question, Sam. You're trying to duck and weave here, a little bit of sermon magic. You know, I can't believe, you know, what if I can't believe about the virgin birth and the authority of Scripture and all this sort of stuff? Look, is a problem really intellectual or is it personal? Is it about the fact that, look, I don't like the fact that someone's going to have total control over my life. I don't like the fact that I've got to submit to this God and the way that he says that I should live my life. People don't like the way that Jesus makes these exclusive claims. The way he says, if I'm going to be in your life, there, there is no halfway. There is no grey zone. They can't stand that. You know, for example, they say, why should he be the only truth? And why should he be the only life? And why should he be the only way? And don't you see, it's because he's a person. It's because it's a relationship. Look, guys, we all know, anyone here knows that the minute that you move into a relationship, any form of relationship whether it be for a friend or someone you've known for life, you lose at least some part of control over your life, right? I learnt that the hard way in my first year of marriage. You see, I... <laughs> Luckily, Kristen's down with the youth this morning. So... But you see, um, it, was, it was my fault. I, 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 had, I had stayed, um, I'd stayed back a, a, a little bit. I, 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 was, I was a fair bit late on the way home to work, and uh, way, way home from work, and I, I'd stayed back, and, and I was in, I was loving life. I was singing zippity doo dah on the way in the car, and, and I opened the door, and I was greeted by these sort of tears down her face, and she said, "Where have you been?" I've been worried sick about you. I've called dad. I've called mum. I was almost going to call the police. So I thought you were dead in the park. I don't know what happened to you. Where have you been? And I'm thinking, why are you getting so worked up about this? 
And, and, and then I realise that when you move into relationship that uh, I, I don't have total independence or control over my life anymore. I'm accountable to someone. Someone loves me and wants the best for me and I need to phone ahead, is what I've learned, basically. <laughs> so that's Sam's marriage course if you want to sign up for it at the information desk. Like, <laughs> Guys, you and I both know, that as you enter into any relationship, it means that an aspect of your independence and your control is lost for the sake and the joy and the beauty of that relationship, right? And so if that's the case in our earthly relationships, then surely moving into a personal relationship with the ultimate person of the universe in God through Jesus Christ means a lot more than losing your independence and control over your life. It has to, because that's how every relationship works. That's why Jesus can say, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's saying, I'm the way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a way to help your career. I'm the reason for your career. He says, I am the truth. He's not saying, I'm, I'm not a series of sayings that's going to assist you in the life. I am the reality of life itself. And then he says, I'm the way, the one that bugs us. You know, what about the good people out there? What about the good Buddhist and the good person who's never heard about Jesus? What about the good person? And... Look, there is mystery in that. I'll admit that this morning. And we don't have time to go into that. But you see, when I used to read this statement, I used to picture Jesus as heaven's bouncer. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, are you on the list? Mm, Okay, click. In you go. I used to see him as heaven's bouncer all the time. But this relational aspect gave me a whole new perspective. You see, you can't be led into a relationship any way you choose. You can't be just let in. Look, imagine going to a friend saying, hey, let's do coffee tomorrow. And they say, I can't do tomorrow. Can you do Wednesday? And he said, no, no, I want it now. Coffee now. It just doesn't work like that, right? Or I heard this great illustration of, um, well, what about this athlete that has got all these uh, ladies chasing after him and and he, he sees the girl that he wants. She is the one. And he goes to her and he's quite interested and he's sort of you know, starting to get a bit, bit interested, get into dialogue with her and, um, and, he, and he says, I'm a great athlete, I, I do all these incredible things and I, I'm, I think I'm in love with you. And she turns to him and says, you know what, sports mean nothing to me. You know, like, I don't even know the difference between a try and a behind. You know, like, uh, it means nothing to me. You know, what, what gets my wheel spinning is literature and the arts and, and all that wonderful stuff. Now, what, what, is, what does he say in the mid, middle of that? You know, what does he do if he wants to befriend her and, and that sort of stuff? Does he say, forget it. I love sports. So I bought you a book on sports and you're going to read the rules and you're going to see how much of an amazing athlete I are and you're, just, you're going to fall in love with me for who I am. It doesn't work that way. And here's why. Because relationships are opened from the inside. Relationships are open from the inside. And with persons, you can't say, I'm going to get into your heart any old way you please by my efforts and my wills and my, my, my rule book. Relationships are only open from the inside. Christianity is a religion of revelation. It means God has to open out from the inside. And therefore, it says you don't find God through your own efforts. You don't find God through discovering him yourself. He comes to you and he says, here's the way in. And when this woman says, you know, here's what's important to, he- to me, here's what I like. I'm not, you know, I'm not some sort of mathematical formula or an object or some you know, concept for you. I'm a person. If, if, if a woman can say to an athlete like that in the same way, that's why Jesus can say, I'm the way into the Father. 
Oh, you know, when, when, when Jesus says, I am the way, you know, I used to picture him like a bouncer in heaven, but you know, he's saying, I am a demonstration of God opening his heart to the world. That's how he has chosen to reveal himself. You want to be on the inside, then you can only have a relationship with me on my terms, not your terms, says God. Now, guys, does that seem exclusive? Because if you and I do it every day with people that we meet. You can only ever get in. And we instinctively know that's how relationships work when you open your heart from the inside. And when you understand that Christianity is a personal relationship, then you can see that exclusivity is normal because every human relationship is exclusive. Christianity is exclusive not because we're arrogant or we're sitting on some special truth. It's exclusive because we've come to know God as a he. He's not a bouncer, but he is a person. Now, you're thinking, come on, Sam, you've done nothing to deal with the fact that Christianity is narrow-minded and exclusive. You know, you haven't talked about any of this intellectual stuff. Look, let me finish with this, and that is that everyone has beliefs that are exclusive. You know, the pilot approach, which is our postmodern world, what is truth? I have my truths. Are my truths the same as yours? You know, the postmodern truth is quite unique because it's an absolute truth that says there are no absolute truths. And under the sort of veneer and the surface of this wonderfully open and accepting and inclusive statement that you can have your truth and I have my truth is the most exclusive statement in our society at the moment. And that's not even religious. (laughs) So here's the thing. Everyone has beliefs that are exclusive. And the question is, which ones result in the most inclusion? You see, what is religion really? Is it institutions? Is it rule following? Is it regulations? No, no. Essentially, religion at its essence is simply answers to the big questions in life. How were we created? Where do we come from? Where do we go when we die? And everyone has those different perspectives. And yet what the world sees as a problem is that if you claim to have exclusive rights on that, then you're going to be divisive. You're going to ruin the peace of the world. And how does the world fix it? They say in political spheres and social spheres, come on, all religions are equal. And that approach in itself is extremely exclusive because all religions aren't equal and you're denying the wonderful factors of every religion in the world if you put them on the same plane. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. If the prevailing mindset is that we need to be inclusive and that every religion is the same, here's the thing, it was one of the great paradoxes of history that Christianity exploded from a culture that perhaps had the most inclusive theology in history. The Roman culture. The Roman culture said there were hundreds of religions. There was not one God for everybody, but everybody had their own God. In fact, you could have multiple gods. You had a supermarket full of gods you could go to. And you could pick whatever religion you like to help whatever aspect of your life. And the culture encouraged it and it embraced it. And it was wonderful. It was fuzzy. And it was all okay to have lots of different religions, all equal. Now the question, how'd that work out? Because if you go and read the history books, we see a culture that was characterised by brutality, a culture characterised by ethnic division, a culture characterised by socio-economic division. How'd that work for them? And then along comes this Christianity and says, forget this multi-God stuff, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And what happened? It exploded. It exploded in Antioch, you know, the New York City of the ancient world. Someone was smart enough to build walls to keep the various ethnic groups away from each other. They knew how the world operated. And yet in Antioch, when Paul went in there and the gospel was preached, what happened? People were climbing the walls to do church with each other. 
And they could not explain the way all these ethnicities were coming together for the first time in love. They had no word for it, so they gave them a nickname. They called them Christians. And so what we saw at Antioch was that Christianity included all the racial differences that the world had at the time. And then in Philippi, when Paul goes in and preaches the gospel in Philippi, at the end of the whole story there in the Philippian jailer and that sort of stuff, we see a slave girl sharing a Milo with the aristocracy of the society. They, they didn't actually have Milo back then. That's just me working with you. Um, but Christianity in, included all the socioeconomic differences of the world. And then in Rome, when it was festering with the plagues 100 years after Christianity had first burst on the scenes, and people, the Roman citizens, are running for the hills, they look back and they see people running the other way, into the rot and into the horror and into the sickness. And who were they? They were the Christians. And so in that sense, Christianity included the powerless of the world. What I'm getting at is why would this exclusive statement lead to such humble and loving and inclusive community? How is that possible? Think for a second. If, if Jesus is not just a great guy, but he's God, then in Jesus Christ, ultimate reality has become visible. And when ultimate reality becomes visible, do you know what we see? In Jesus Christ and only in Christianity do we see a God loving others by dying for those that don't love him. That's the ultimate reality for a Christian. It's a man on a cross loving people that don't love him. And when Christians took that into the heart of their life, they couldn't be superior to other people and they couldn't trample on other people and they, they, they couldn't be divisive against the social classes. They couldn't be because of his example. And we, and we won't be if we take that reality into our hearts too. So Christianity has got a set of exclusive beliefs just like every other religion has exclusive beliefs. Postmodernism's got exclusive beliefs. The only tr- truth that's in, there are no absolute truths. Which one leads to the most inclusive behaviour? And so where does it leave us this morning? In some ways, uh, hopefully, we've, int- you know, we've, we've addressed the intellectual. But we've seen that in the person of Jesus Christ, it's the only religion in the world that is personal. And at the centre of that is the drive and the imperative to know God. Friends, do you, do you know God or do you know about God this morning? I speak to you this morning. If you're still trying to battle the intellectual stuff like that, it's because you're trying to approach Jesus Christ as a philosophy when he's a person. And he says to you this morning through his word and spiritual, you know, spiritually in that sense, come to me. Come to me. If you don't know God... It's because you haven't approached him through Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth and the life. There's an opportunity to do that after the service here this morning or just talk about it with us. Christians, what does it mean for us? The world will constantly think that religion is divisive. May you and I show the world through the example of Jesus Christ, that self-sacrificing love that the most exclusive statement in the world produces the most inclusive behaviour in its followers. Christianity is radically different. May we live that out because of his example at the cross this morning. The example of not a philosophy, of a religion, but our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. God, a person. He. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have just scratched the surface of mind-numbing truths this morning, Father. And there is great mystery surrounding this statement of your Son, Jesus Christ. But Father, we take into our hearts this morning that narrow-minded nature of the New Testament in a wonderful and and a joyful way, Father. And I just pray that in our hearts, whether we are Christians or whether we are just seeking you greater, 
Father, that we might come to grips this week with the question that you ask of every person through your son when he says, who do you say that I am? Father, may we take the very paths and the roads of the gospel that extend ever outwards through our hearts and may we align ourselves to that, Father, as we seek to be a community in this place that is inclusive, not because we have to, but because we want to through the model and the example of our wonderful Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and the self-sacrificing love that he poured out on the cross. Move and work among us this week, Heavenly Father, amongst family and friends and workmates and those that grapple with that. And may we be the living answer. And we pray this now in Jesus Christ. Amen.